a Tuesday, oh yeah, a show debut, oh yeah, Matt Dixon in the His House, oh yeah, Cilio and Parts Unknown feeling like somebody ha put a hammer in the back of my head, oh yeah, fighting through the winter pain or something, some kind of virus, I don't know, oh yeah, Brian Hartman in the Raymere studio, oh yeah, icy weather in certain parts of the state oh yeah snow and ice in various parts of our country oh yes welcome to tuesday a tennessee brian hartman basketball list tuesday a little strange isn't it buddy yeah we get to do a church night wednesday saturday special from now until i think the last two weeks of the season then we go back to tuesday we're going to have a very, 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 shall we say, fun program today. Will Warren's going to join us. Matt Dixon, I know a guy you think an awful lot of who is uh, widely respected uh, in the space. And, and Will's got a new, um, a new blog out today slash uh, newsletter, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But uh, Stats by Will is going to join us today on the program. TGMD, your thoughts? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Will does incredible work and has for a number of years now. Um, really gets really into the numbers a lot more than I do. Um, some of his stuff is is way over my head. Um, so it's no, he takes a, a really fascinating approach, and you know. I know, you know, Jimmy Dykes has cited him on TV numerous times during Tennessee wow. games, actually during other games as well. I've heard him. Um, so, you know, wow. he has the, 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 the coach Dykes approval. Um, so no, he does, he does incredible work. Um, I'm kind of really excited to have him on. He, he makes a really interesting point regarding, um, Tennessee and Houston, he said they are essentially lapping the field right now. He said they have a near three-point lead and adjusted efficiency on the rest of the field. Over the last 25 seasons, their average 3.55 point gap on teams three through five. Uh, he says that the rest of the field uh, seeds two on are very vulnerable, and I'm going to talk to him about the vulnerability of the number one seeds this year. So the the numbers that he cites are, I mean, I, I, I mean, Matt, I'm sitting here looking at it, and I'm not a numbers guy. It does not take long for me to get lost in Will Warren's work. But needless to say, this is what he says. This is the important takeaway, because we've talked about how this is a soft target this year for the Vols for somebody. In the Ken Palm database, this is the lowest rated top 10 in modern basketball history. He said it's worth noting the top five itself, while weaker than normal, is not really the problem. It's the teams that are ranked 6 through 10. That ranks as the second worst batch 
in the 25 seasons that Ken Palm's been doing his thing. <laughs> Is that St. Mary's team still in the top? Like they were like seven. I believe they, were like they eight, are. Yes, eighteen and four. I believe they are. <laughs> now you want to talk about bad and boring basketball? God, watch watch St. Mary's. You want? Good lord. He also goes on to point out that the eight nine seeds are pretty darn good. And the back of the field is actually going to be stronger than usual compared to past years. So what you have up top is, I guess, relatively speaking, the past years, okay, uh, to not very good once you get past Tennessee and Houston or Houston and Tennessee if you want to do it in order. And then, or no, it's Tennessee and Houston, my bad. And then from there, um, it's going to be a real crapshoot. When you start talking about uh, seeds, seeds 8 and 9 being better than usual, what that means, Matt, is we could see a volatile second day of the tournament. I mean, if, if Will, now I'm not going to put words in Will's mouth, but it sounds to me like it wouldn't be all that shocking to see a couple of the one seeds not make it to the to the round of sixteen. Yeah, and I I think not every year, but I think mo- most years a one seed does get beaten that second round. Um, yeah. I prob- probably more times than not, um, one of them does. Now you might see two of them this year, um, maybe, maybe three. Who knows? Um, but no, I, I definitely think that this year, probably more than others, you could see a lot of, uh, you know, upsets by seed lines. But they might not really be upsets. It's just some somebody had a, a better strength of schedule or 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 want, just won a couple games more and are seeded higher. But I think you could see a lot of a lot of craziness this year more than more than usual, which could make for a really fun tournament. Yeah, I mean, one one of the things that Will cited here recently is that this tournament this year is on pace to be the weakest NCAA tourney field in years based on Ken Palm's top 38 teams. They're below the historical average. Now, he said that a couple he said that a couple of weeks ago, but one has to wonder if that's still where this thing is tracking and um so here's what I'm going to ask you today. You know, the, the calendar is getting ready to hit February 1. And not only does it become Valentine's Day, February 1, but seven of Tennessee's last ten opponents are tracking to qualify to be in the field. And I want to ask you at eight six five two hundred five four zero two. Do you believe in the basketball balls right now? For the first time in the history of the advanced metric era, which is nineteen ninety seven on, it's a lot of basketball. Twenty five years worth. Tennessee is numero uno, numero uno, numero uno, number one. The balls are number one. 
in Ken Palm. Raise the banner. So what do you believe? Do you believe in this team? That's question one. And then secondly, what do you believe about this team? Do you believe, and then what do you believe about them? And then we're going to have uh, interlapping seasons now that February is about to be upon us. And Matt has a thought uh, along those lines. I want to engage some callers with this one. And we're going to take some calls in hour one. That's what we're going to do. In hour two, we're going to bring Will Warren in on. Uh, and then we're going to talk with um, a gentleman from um, the Gainesville Sun, Kevin Brockaway, who's going to break it down for us scientifically tomorrow night's opponent. And, Matt, your thought for folks, if they uh, care to opine, is? Well, just, you know, we told, we've talked kind of all year about how the, the interest of the, the fan base doesn't really match, you know, where the basketball team is, the kind of season they're having, um, especially compared to that, you know, 2018-19 team that had some personalities on it. And I'm going to kind of be curious if, if this is a problem that, that maybe t- Tony Valls and the baseball team have down the road, um, if maybe maybe you don't have as much success, you know, you're never you're not going to win 57 games every year, or even just 50 like like two years ago. But you might you might not have the personalities that that the last couple of baseball teams have. If if the, if this becomes an issue for baseball, or is your head coach kind of too much of a personality and kind of too involved on social media to for that to, to be an issue. Um, I think I think that'll kind of be a little fascinating to watch too. Yep. If if the baseball team keeps that that support and you know a jam packed stadium and all the craziness and kind of a circus that all went into that deal the last really last year especially. Or um, was that if group? Or are they yeah, fall yeah. into the yep. the kind of trap that this basketball team is? It's, it seems Brian, like they are yeah. with the fans. Yes, Brian. Well, let me ask Brian. Brian, do you think there's a chance of that, that the baseball team has already shown us their magic tricks and, and they could fall susceptible to the show-me-at-the-end-of-the-year deal? Well, they actually made it to Omaha, which is the pinnacle of their sport. Kind of unlike basketball, which has never been past the Sweet 16, which has been done before. No, they've been, they've been to the Elite Eight once, Brian. Well, I mean... With Barnes, with 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 Barnes's coach is what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, I don't know. That's a good question. We'll see how the new stadium impacts the attendance and demand. We'll see if that takes some of the atmosphere away. I, I think that may it might be in danger of falling to a uh, in a different stadium, kind of in a different type stadium feel, maybe down the road that also factors in well, i'll tell you what's interesting too and i'm just gonna say it out loud you know rick barnes has some pressure on him with this year's team in march if this if it's true what you say about the field being a weak field yeah, yeah. and he doesn't get past you know say he just gets the sweet 16 again yeah 
He's gonna feel some house. That I mean, probably I'm, won't be good enough. No, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna call it right now because we're getting ready to get to February, and I've been kind of you know I, I, I've been sort of holding this. I I think fans are really gonna be on him if they don't have a long run in this deal. Because by the time we get there, people are going to realize that the field's not great and that they are going to be the number one team all-time defensively at Ken Palm. And that's going to be beat into our fan base's head. Plus, you've got veterans on this team. This is a senior-laden, veteran-type, should-rip-through-the-tournament type of team. It is, with very good point guard play. Now, do they have deficiencies? Sure, everybody has deficiencies, but, I mean, for the first time in your lifetime, they're number one at Ken Palm. And, Matt, I'm of the belief that an early exit will really ratchet up, uh, not the heat on him, but, I mean, I think a lot of people will lose faith in the guy. If they don't at least get to the eight, or, or, or let me say this, if they don't at least get to the 16 this year. Now, one thing I'm hanging my hat on that I buried in the blog today over at tclub.team, one thing I'm, I'm, I'm hanging my hat on is that history around here has a tendency to repeat itself. When we have low expectations in football, we get surprised. Last season. When we have high expectations in football, we get our balloon popped, uh, generally speaking, down through the years. When we have basketball teams that we semi-don't like as the year goes on or semi-feud with, and Bino was pointing out that there were a couple of the guys that cover the basketball program that are like, fighting with fans online on Twitter, telling them, hey, you don't appreciate these guys. You need to appreciate them more. You need to appreciate them. You need to, you need to, you know. So this team has that kind of vibe to it. Those are the two teams that both won three games in the tournament. Conzo's last year here, when they got on fire, and Josh Richardson just became a bala. And then the year J.P. Prince took the point guard, point forward, whatever he was, and carried the balls to an elite eight, that magical run. And, Matt, I think this year, this year's team's kind of tracking that way. They might drag our fan base kicking and screaming with them into a long march run. I mean, they certainly have the makings when you look at the team. They're a pretty good mix of youth and then that veteran leadership that you need. And these veterans have gotten their noses bloodied in that tournament. So I think they're going they're motivated. Yeah, you definitely you definitely do. And you're kind of developing some stuff inside um, with your bigs. I mean, even, even if that ultimately is just Olivier at the five. Um, but you at least have a couple of uh, pieces there. You, you know, you've got some good some good wing play, some veteran guys there like you talked about. And, and you've got Zakai Ziegler, who I, I think is a game changer and is just such a good player um, that you you have, the, you have the pieces to at least make that deep run if, if, if you get the right kind of draw and, and, and you're playing well and kind of clicking at the right time, which I think is 
for whatever reason, is, it seems to be an issue with Barnes' teams down the stretch of seasons. Um, I don't know if it's that, that burnout deal, but th- this is a team that you have a little bit more depth than, than usual. And to this point, he's actually been playing that depth um, more, than, more than past teams. So it's going to be very, very interesting. Let's do this. Brief timeout, I come back. You believe in, what do you believe about this basketball team? Do you believe in what do you believe right now? We're getting ready to hit uh, Feb 1. And then the second question is um, the baseball program. If they get off to a slow start this year, is there going to be a little bit of the, you know, like what, what, what do you expect from the baseball team this year? That's getting ready to crank up in February as well. I throw those two topics out in hour number one. We'll come back on the other side. And then Kevin Brockway and Will Warren in hour two. We continue with you on a Tuesday after this. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter. Like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. Built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, or 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. 
For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. This is Drake. Join Clayton Harris and I on Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays on our new show, the Front Porch Sports Radio Hour, beginning at 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. That's on Monday, Thursdays, and Fridays. Everything Southern Middle Tennessee, from college to high school to pro, you name it, fantasy, we're going to talk about it. Be there on Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 4 o'clock to 5 on the Front Porch Sports Radio Hour. Hi, I'm former Sheriff Enoch George with 30 years experience in emergency services. I know how important it is to locate an address that's in need of help as quickly as possible. An LED light bulb has been developed and manufactured that glows red, white, and blue flashing light to be placed on your front porch and turned on when you have an emergency that will help the responding emergency services to locate your home as quickly as possible. You can obtain your LED light bulb at Mount Pleasant Fire Department and all of your local fire stations. For more information, contact Fire Department at 379-1005. 379-1005. Seconds counts. Get your light bulb today. I wish you and your family a safe and happy new year. Do you use Elf Bars? Old School Vapor has over 100 authentic flavors for only $18.99 each. Check out their other January sales like buy one, get one free for select Escobars, 25% off glass pipes and Mike Tyson's Delta 8 Bites, or 50% off smell-proof bags. Go shop Old School Vapor's selection of over 200 cannabis products from brands like Looper, Torch, Hidden Hills, and more. Check them out on Instagram or Google Old School Vapor to find your nearest location. That's Old School Vapor. This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. Tony Basilio, Matt Dixon, Tony's will be back here shortly. Let's get our first call of the day, and let's go to Philly. Oh, Boy, sorry, Brian. Here we go. I got the wrong thing up. Hey, oh, Tony, no. you there? Yeah, hey, Bri, sorry about that. I had the wrong thing up. Uh, that happens to everybody, Bri. Yeah, as I was saying, Philly, welcome in. How you doing, buddy? 
All right, welcome to all three of y'all this morning. I'm trying to get over this crud and listen to y'all talk about uh, Tennessee you basketball. You got it too, huh, Philly? Yeah, I'll just hit you and then you get it, and hopefully I'll be out uh, recovering in a couple of days. Man, it's giving me a nasty headache. I'll say that. <laughs> uh, guys, uh, you say the last, the last ten games? We play seven tourney, projected tourney teams. I'd say eight and two or seven and three is realistic. Uh, Matt, would you agree with that? Eight and two over the last uh, ten. Oh yeah, eight, eight and two would be great. I would, yeah, seven and three would probably be my prediction. So yeah, um, it's there's some tough games. You're, I mean, you're going to be favored in all of them, I think. Um, but I'd I'd be stunned if you if you ran the table. I mean, that'd be that'd be incredible. But yeah. Yeah, that eight and two, seven and three range would would kind of be my expectation or, or benchmark. And obviously, we don't know this. It'd be a great question for Jerry Palm. But what seed would you get at that point, Matt? If you say you went eight and two, uh, I think you're definitely on. You're firmly on the two line for sure. And I maybe you play your way up to the one. I I don't know. It probably depends on what Alabama does down the stretch because. The SEC is not going to get two one seeds. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't think. I don't think with how with how down the league is, unless Tennessee and Bama just kind of run away with it. That's a good point, Matt. Uh, I really think that uh, Tennessee's got some pitfalls, and uh, one is uh, tomorrow night. Uh, it's a that's a trap game right there, and then you got Buck Pearl coming in Saturday, and uh, he's most dangerous whenever you don't think he's got a chance to beat you. Yeah, and you know, Phil, they're um, uh, they're pretty scrappy. Auburn is. They're a little better than I thought they would be in terms of uh, uh, playing under control. And uh, they got up to a bad start in that West Virginia game, or they would have gotten out of there with a W. Which they, the the West Virginia people, though, they're having a horrible year. That place was full, and it was loud, and it was rocking in that place. And you look at the uh, – we still got to go to Kentucky, and uh, as much as I hate Kentucky, that's uh, going to be a very difficult game to win. Oh, it's going to be – yeah, it's going to be very difficult. Yes, sir. And then Alabama at home. If you can beat Kentucky on the road, Alabama at home, I don't care what they do the rest of the year because they're going to win most of these games. Uh, beating Bama here and beating Kentucky and Lexington and, of course, beating Bruce Pearl, that's the three games I want – a scouts the rest of the way. Plus, Tennessee does have to make a trip to Auburn as well, which, you know, that's going to be a, a tough proposition. I, I don't know. I mean, Brian, do you do you, do you sense a sweep coming of Auburn? Because I don't sense that, Brian. No, I'd be happy if they could just get him here and make sure Bruce doesn't come and leave as a winner for two years in a row. <laughs> yeah. And you you were talking about the uh, baseball team, Tony. Uh, I think the baseball team peaked too early last year. Mm-hmm. And I think that their uh, discipline uh, on the field there cost them. I think that's probably true, Phil, looking back on it. I think that that, um, that, that deal that happened in the NCAA tournament, I mean, yeah. we were kind of talking about it till right leading up to it. That was bound to happen with that team. I mean, when you're, you know, and I'm not picking on uh, Honcho, 
But when you hit a ball over a guy's head in a game and you're giving him the up years, you know, or whatever he did, the middle finger, what did he do? What was it, the middle finger while he ran at first base? I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, stuff no, like Chris that. Really is exactly right. The Your check's going to come they, due. Yeah. They, they started playing to that, that social media crowd that of the, that kind of villain role. They tried to – they embraced that a little too much, and they – yeah, yeah, Philly, Philly's dead on with that. So yeah, the NCAA wanted to make sure that the referees uh, gave us a hard time. Well, and you never want to you never want to put a target on your back. Why would you want yeah. to do that? You know, in basketball, the the guys with the targets always get the fouls called on them. The guys that make the friends with the officials, they get the benefit of the doubt. Make make a friend. You don't got to have a target on you. Did y'all see the uh, article in the Rocky Top Insider on B.J. Edwards today? No. What did it say? Uh, Barnes very uh, high on him, and the, the the players are all uh, speaking highly of him. And no one good reason why our backcourt's improving is every day the those guys got to go up against BJ, DJ, and uh, Delone, and that's probably just as good as many backcourts already in the SEC. Well, that's a very interesting point, Phil. I'll be curious to see. Uh, what his role is uh, next beginning next season because you know I, I'm I'm yeah. kind of resigned to the fact that we're not going to see him this year, and that's sort of the Barnes way. You got to go through the Barnes boot camp, uh, what have you. But uh, hey, I'll tell you what, Sky Ziegler, Phil. I mean, he's borderline the MVP in this league right now at the halfway point. I can't believe I'm yeah. saying that. After just a few games, it's amazing how he's turned turned his. Uh, Oh, game or I mean, I, have, we, have we ever seen this from a guy that from from November till now? I don't know that we've seen an improvement at point guard like that from a guy. And he wasn't bad to begin with, but man, he has raised the level of his play something fierce when you when you look at the way he's playing. I'm still concerned about the amount of minutes that he's putting out there, and then uh, is it going to be a, a toll and affect him at the end of the year? Yes, sir. All right, guys. Love you all. See you. Love. Thank you. 865-200-5402. Go ahead, Matt. Well, just just playing on that, and hopefully Philly starts feeling better. I know that says awful. Um, you, and I, I do think this team is kind of becoming really dependent on Ziegler, um, which, you know, it's not a bad thing, but you do wonder if, if he were to, you were to get into a postseason game or even one of these big games down the stretch and he gets two early fouls, what what do you do for offense and how how do you manage that? That that might actually be a, a good thing to have happen in one of these games. Uh, maybe one of the you know maybe against like South Carolina or Vandy or somebody um, to have him get some early fouls and see if you can manage and try to figure out a way to to still run your offense without him for extended time. Look, I saw a lot of things happening this year. Him carrying them through the league schedule is not one of them. I mean, the other day he gets 22, and he's, you know, and he's just 10 assists, only three turnovers, guarding uh, his man to the point where, you know, that's an, that's an All-America-type player from Texas. He had that guy totally urinated off, totally frustrated, Totally out of his element, totally out of his game. I mean, it's really impressive work from him. Yeah, he he's went he went from being that elite sixth man in 
elite, you know, perimeter defender that he was last year. Um, that was a huge weapon off the bench with Kennedy Chandler. He went from being that player to being a legitimate, you know, frontline point guard um, nationally. And that, that was a huge step. I, I didn't know if he could make that step, at least this year. Um, but he, he's done that really, really well. And he's got that clutch factor. I mean, the guy's just – the guy knows knows when to turn it on. And, is again, he, he's so much better in the second half of games than he is in the first. And I – there's a lot to be said for that, I think. Well, I want to give a Rephalytic Shud, Don and Sweetwater alert out because uh, Matt sent me something that's really interesting, and it's been a talking point around major college basketball this year. And <clears throat> Good for ESPN. Last night, they threw a graphic up uh, on John Higgins' week that he's had, the Baylor-Texas game. Now, he did that game. This is John Higgins' week. Now, and if you look into the travel of some of these basketball coaches, it's totally absurd how much traveling they're doing. And the question becomes, at what point uh, is it diminishing returns? At what point are you out there too much? And these guys, you know, this for some of these guys, it's an avocation. For some of them, it's their vocation. I would think for John Higgins, it's probably his primary source of income. And picture somebody in one of these money grab deals where, you know, you you send somebody into a vault and you blow the money around and they're just trying to grab as much money out of the air as you can. That's that's John Higgins' life right now. Especially after Kentucky fans ruined his roofing company. Did they really? Yeah, you don't remember that? No, I they didn't know a, that was him. A call go against him in a tournament game, and they basically bombarded his. He has like a roofing company somewhere in the Midwest, and they basically went online and just flooded it with bad reviews. I say white, you say trash. White, trash, white, trash. I say red, you say neck, red. I mean, what are they doing? All right, let's go through John Higgins' week. Brian, do you have your calculator out? I can get it here. Yeah, get your Google machine out, Bry. I'm going to look up the distance between these points, all right? Uh, Piscataway, New Jersey, which is where Rutgers is. Let me look this up. Piscataway, Piscataway. This is going to be a lot of time zones, too. Piscataway, New Jersey, to... San Diego, California. This is this guy's week. This is just one. This is one week. How many miles is that? Right, ready? 2,736 miles, airport to airport. I'm not even going to count. Um, not, we're not even going to count the man's uh, uh, time in transit. We're just going to give him the benefit of the doubt. So we're just going to count his flying miles, okay? And then from San Diego... He went and flew to uh, Corvallis, Oregon, Oregon State. Is that is that Oregon? Is that where that is? Yes. Which the West Coast is a that's a long way. All right, that is one thousand one hundred and nineteen miles. You good so far? That's three thousand eight hundred fifty-five miles so far from Corvallis, Oregon. That maroon 
flew down to Palo Alto, California, which is 602 miles. Is this son of a gun serious? That's 4,457 total miles. All right. From Palo Alto, that son of a gun flew to Lafayette, Indiana, home of Purdue. Is that where Purdue is? Yes. West Lafayette. All right. And you don't. Some of these places these may are have all a consecutive days too. Like there's no in between. No, there's no in between. There, back to back. He, yeah. There he may be flew. driving somewhere between these places. I don't know if West Lafayette he has an airport. Driving. He ain't driving. Well, I mean, there may be a, like Chicago and then drive drive down. No, he ain't driving. Well, that's a good point. He flew. You ready for this? Two thousand three hundred and seventy miles. How many are we at right now, Brian? Because I'm getting ready to give you the coup de gras. Six thousand eight hundred and twenty-seven. Nearly seven thousand miles. They're outrageous, honey, let me tell you. Because while the poor people sleep with the shade on the light, Tim Higgins and the stars come out at night. He wrapped up his week last night at Austin, Texas, which is good night almighty, 1,122 miles. Brian, how many miles did Tim Higgins log in a week while doing one, two, three, four, five, six games, Brian? That is 7,949 miles to be exact, which we'll call it 8,000. A lot of frequent flyer miles. Matt, can you do your job effectively flying that much and doing those games? Uh, I, I No, I think it takes a toll on you, so you're not, you're clearly not at peak performance i don't think no which of course fran priscilla talked i kind of mentioned it a little bit during that game how he he would still rather have john higgins after you know a week of travel than a lot of the younger officials um just because they know what they he knows what kind of game higgins is going to call at least and he says a lot of coaches are are that way um which you know i don't i don't know what that what that says ultimately um but and that's just absurd to do. Like you can't do that. I th- I thought it was crazy that that Baylor and Texas were playing on such a quick turnaround after their games this weekend. I mean, that Texas team got came in here and just got physically manhandled, and then two nights later they have to turn around and play a really good Baylor and team. Now they they won. They did win. A really good game. But for for the official to do like literally every game, like, there's no in between. Like there's no there's no rest day. Like that's just crazy. Well, and people are asking where that came from. Think about how having to get a car out of an airport, yeah, and just go into a hotel, check in and out. Every think about that for a second. That that in itself is exhausting. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. I mean, and then keeping track of your clothes and your luggage. Airports and, are totally anybody travels knows. That's why I respect like Major League Baseball. I respect those guys. All. That guy did how many miles, Brian, in one week? 7,949 miles. Now, take that and multiply it by so many weeks, and that's that guy's life in the wintertime. Does he know his name by March? I'm just asking for a friend. Like Brian said, he he checked into seven different hotels. Let's multiply that by 10, and and you get nearly 80,000 miles traveled. That is around the world. 
three and a half times, three times in one season, in just two and a half months of one season. And look, I'm not picking on the guy. I mean, Kentucky fans shut his uh, Kentucky Kentucky fans. And by the way, Brian, we beat Auburn here last year. Yeah, that's what I meant. Bruce can that he would be a loser two years in a row. Oh, oh. that's what I meant. So that's an ESPN uh, uh, graphic. There we're talking about. Um, so, Matt, are you? Because uh, you know the the Texas game was rather rigorous on both teams. Tennessee played well. Are you concerned about? A little letdown for the Vols. This is kind of a uh, tomorrow night's game, a sandwich between two emotional weekend games on a Wednesday evening. Uh, are you concerned about tomorrow night, Matt? It's only a seven-point line projected, so it's within certainly striking distance. Um, yeah, to, yeah, to a degree. Um, there's, there's not going to be a lot of juice in, in the arena. Um, so you'll kind of have to manufacture all that on your own. Um, you're playing, and you know, it's going to be the first time Barnes goes up against their coach. Um, so you just don't, you don't know how that coaching matchup's going to go. Um, and then you know, Florida's got—they I mean, don't have a ton. Um, but no, it, it definitely is a, a letdown spot. It's it's still it's still a game you should win. Um, but I mean, you can put yourself in position to to make it a, a, a lot closer than it probably should be. A buddy who's an official said, Tony, those guys get up at 4 o'clock every morning, take the earliest flight to their city. That's what they do. They check in early in hotels, they take a nap, they eat, they do the game, and they repeat it the next day. I mean, thinking about Tim Higgins' schedule has me totally ashamed that I'm sitting up here feeling like somebody just hit me in the head with a hammer. Tim Higgins, strong. I'm sorry, John Higgins. <laughs> no, it's not John Higgins. John Higgins played for the Vols. What's this guy? What's this Higgins guy's it, name? It, Matt? It's John. It's John Higgins. She's right. It's John. He Higgins. might. He might have a brother named Tim Higgins. Might, she keeps looking at me. Where did I get com- Tim Higgins? Brian, who's Tim Higgins? But you probably got it mixed up with T Higgins. Yeah, I was T and about, Tim. You're thinking about you know you got I somebody mixed about, up there. I was thinking about Ewads Bengals. I was thinking about T Higgins and Tim Crumrod. Take a break, Tana. And 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 John Higgins. But we have our own John Higgins. Well, let's take a brief time now. I'll quit while I'm behind. Come back on the other side. I'll tell you, Kevin Brockaway going to join Gainesville Sun right after this. This is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. The Chicken Man, a.k.a. T-Willie, and you're listening to 101.7 FM WKOM, Columbia, Tennessee. 
At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can always count on us for a great selection of late model, low mileage, one owner vehicles. All have been thoroughly inspected and are ready to go. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Looking to sell your vehicle? Great news! We're paying top dollar for your trade. All makes, all models, and in any condition. Trade in and trade up today. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can count on us. Why do people trust Tills Jewelry with their jewelry repairs? Hi, this is Terry Tillis. We feel each piece of jewelry is important to our customers and they deserve the utmost care with every item that is brought to us. Your jewelry is inspected when we receive it to determine exactly what repairs are needed. A photo is taken and documented and then it goes to our goldsmith. Once the repair is completed, the jewelry is reinspected to make sure it has been restored to its original condition. Come see us at Tillis Jewelry, located in Columbia and Lewisburg. This is Dr. Dominic Mancini from the Dr. Gill Center. If your car was damaged in an auto accident, chances are you'd fix the car. Why wouldn't you give that same attention to yourself? Untreated whiplash injuries of the spinal column may lead to conditions such as headaches, numbness in the arms, neck and back pain. The doctors at the Dr. Gill Center specialize in detecting and treating such injuries from an auto accident. Accident consultations are free. Call me painfree.com or call 615-551-9224. Hey guys, this is Mary Catherine with Bug Out Termite and Pest Control. Did you know that most insurance plans don't cover termite damage? Termites cause $5 billion in damage every year. Having a termite inspection done by a termite professional once a year is the best way to determine your home or business is termite free. Our technician will help you determine the best treatment solution for you. Call us today to schedule your inspection at 931-380-9009 or visit us online at bugouttennessee.com. In today's uncertain world, you can never be too careful about your family's financial future. That's why the Parker Group, a part of Baird's Private Wealth Management, is offering a free second opinion on your financial plans. Let us review your current plan, and we will identify any gaps and offer suggestions to improve it. Please call the Parker Group at 931-548-3737. That's 931-548-3737. Robert W. Baird & Company Incorporated does not offer tax or legal advice. This is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Did you know that Columbia Ace Hardware carries Magnolia Home Paint by Joanna Gaines? Columbia Ace Hardware is the only Magnolia paint dealer in town. Now their premium quality and huge selection of colors will be right in your neighborhood, along with the award-winning service and advice Ace has always provided for your paint projects. Come see us at Columbia Ace Hardware and Power Equipment. We will be glad to help you. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. This is Drake. Join Clayton Harris and I on Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays on our new show, the Front Porch Sports Radio Hour, beginning at 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. That's on Monday, Thursdays, and Fridays. Everything Southern Middle Tennessee, from college to high school to pro, you name it, fantasy, we're going to talk about it. Be there on Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 4 o'clock to 5 on the Front Porch Sports Radio Hour. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. 
Join us Saturday, March the 18th for Columbia's Breakfast Rotary's fourth annual Shoot for Our Stars Sporting Clays Tournament. This tournament is a community benefit fundraiser for our fantastic local youth and veterans organizations. If you'd like to participate in this great event, contact me, Rhonda King, at 931-398-5511 or contact us online at www.facebook.com slash shootforourstars. Hello everyone, Clayton Harris here. As Little League District 8 Administrator, I'm excited to announce that Little League Softball is being offered in Murray County for the first time through Spring Hill Little League. This allows every kid in Murray County the opportunity to play Little League Softball. Each division will offer All-Stars, just like Little League Baseball, with the opportunity to compete for a chance at a Little League World Series. It's ages 4 through 13. Registration ends this Friday. For more information and where to sign up, go to shll.us. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. Kevin Brockaway now joining us on the program. As uh, We're back with you on your Tony Basilio show, and Kevin covers the Florida Gators. We've had him on down through the years, and glad to have him back for another turn, and uh one thing, one thing is for sure about the modern uh, uh, day in, in uh, covering college sports, Kev, is that it's as different right now as it's ever been. Um, that, that situation that happened with that Florida quarterback a couple weeks ago, Tennessee had a kid last week, a uh, cornerback, come in here, and uh, they made him a solid offer. He enrolls in school and goes and visits like three or four other places. I mean, you can't, you can't beat what's going on right now in college football. Yeah, it's 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 just uh, disorganized chaos right now um, yep. in the world of recruiting, and and we're, you know, I, obviously the Jaden Rashada scandal, which took up a good part of my month of January, uh, was uh, one that's difficult to sort out, and I think we're still trying to sort out. And and uh, you know, we get Billy Napier in a press conference uh, tomorrow for signing day, and I'm sure mm. that ninety uh, percent of the questions are going to be dominated about. Jaden Rashada, when did you know about the deal? Did you, you know, what happened? Why did he ask out of his letter of intent? It's going to be, um, do you communicate with the collective, which technically mm-hmm. under NCAA rules you're not supposed to do. So it's going to be a, a lot of, um, it, it's a big mess, and uh, it's going to be a lot to sort out over the next few months. Yeah, and really, at the end of the day, what's he going to be able to say? I mean, let, let's either, there's no way you're going to look good coming out of that deal, you know? Just no, I mean, it looks absurd, but it's he's not the only one, and he's not going to be the only one. He might be one of the first, but he's not going to be the only one here. Oh, yeah, no question. And uh, I was reading an article yesterday from Ross Dellinger where, uh, you know, the NCAA is talking about clamping down on uh, collective activities and using, uh, you know, it as a recruiting inducement, but... You know, the precedent has been set in court, no. Austin 9-0. So I, just my feeling is still that even if the NCAA tries to enforce this, um, there are going to be legal challenges. It's going to be tied up. And I just think at this point, uh, you know, the organization and the public perception to begin with of the fact that, you know, since COVID, you know, showed that these athletes should be should be paid, uh, that, uh, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hard uphill, uphill climb, I think, for the NCAA to enforce anything. So, I guess, and I want to get to the Hoops team, because I think this Golden guy is going to be, I think he's a really nice hire. I thought it was a really imaginative, really solid hire when they did it last year, and I want to get your thoughts on him. But 
Florida's quarterback situation now, they're, they're kind of in a spot here, aren't they? Yeah, they've got Graham Mertz, and uh, I remember Graham Mertz from my days up covering the uh, Big Ten uh, for a few years before I got back here. And uh, I remembered that game when he was 20-21 against Illinois, and everyone was all excited. Kids going to be a phenom and stuff. And then after that, he had a pretty mediocre career at Wisconsin, never quite lived up to that first game. Um, but I think they think that he's a guy that can move the chains, that can run the offense, uh, that uh, probably has a little better arm talent than Jack Miller does. Um, but still, you know, he's won games in the Big Ten. He's also lost games in the Big Ten, but uh, still makes questionable decisions from time to time. And then, you know, last year, I mean, he was sacked 23 times last year, which is kind of an anomaly because Wisconsin traditionally has strong offensive line. Um, so I don't know if it was a case of him holding on to the ball too long or them just not giving him the protection. Um, but the one silver lining in Napier's first year is it seems like he and his staff know how to develop an offensive line and offensive lineman. That was the one true strength of the Gators. Uh, now they lose Osiris Torrance, who's an All-American, um, but they did, I think, do pretty well in the transfer portal in that regard. Um, so if Mertz has time to throw, you know, maybe um, – he can he can do some things, um, but uh, I think that they're they're somewhat optimistic uh, for him to be able to step in and at least be a stopgap for a year or two until you know DJ Lag Lagway figure, fingers crossed gets to campus in twenty twenty four. Well, and and so the, I guess the question remains: Do they go? Do you think, in light of what's going on here, do they go back into the portal in that second uh, that second window and maybe try to grab somebody and see who emerges? Possible because. Billy Napier has discussed wanting four scholarship quarterbacks on the roster, and he thought he had that with Rashada, certainly before everything unfolded. So right now he's got three. He's got, uh, you know, Max Brown, uh, a redshirt freshman who's actually going to be playing a little bit of baseball. I don't know how that's going to work, though, because, you know, spring, fo- uh, spring football practice. You've got uh, Jack Miller, who certainly was underwhelming in his debut in the bowl game. Now he was running for his life most of that game. That, that was the one game without Torrance. The offensive line didn't play really well. And then you have Graham Mertz. So, yeah, you might want another quarterback in there. and But I don't know who you're going to get that's really going to be an impact guy. Now, you know, sometimes surprises emerge, you know, and, and I know they really, you know, tried to make a last-ditch effort at Walker Howard, but he ended up going to Ole Miss. So um, I don't know if, if there's another Walker Howard out there. Maybe maybe get a shot in the spring. But uh, for now, I think Mertz is the guy that uh, at least is going to get a real good shot to win this job. Let's talk about Florida. They've they've uh, they're off to a five and three start in the league, and they've had their moments. Um, before we do that, from your perspective, seeing that young man play so well from Kansas State and and just uh, who went through what he went through at Florida, that's a pretty amazing amazing story right there. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a guy that needed CPR in the Tallahassee Leon Civic Center and was in a medically induced coma, and for him to come back and play basketball um, is 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 amazing. Keontae Johnson and what he's done certainly uh, with that team, um, and it's really you know it's one of these things where you know there's a handful of Florida fans who are like, well, why didn't they keep him? Um, but I just don't know. I just don't think you can medically clear a kid, and they certainly had more knowledge than other teams. Uh, with regard to his medical state, and, and Florida wouldn't clear him. Now, it was very similar to the situation, I think, a few years ago where Jared Butler was at Alabama. He had a cardiac issue. Alabama wouldn't clear him. Baylor did, and he won a national championship. But 
do you blame Alabama for that or do you blame Florida? I, I just think it's just one of those things where, you know, it, it just kind of happened and you move on and, and um, you, you know, you hope for the kid's success and you hope that he remains healthy. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, and I, I think that fans really have to think that thing through, you know. I mean, you put yourself yeah. in the hands of that those administrators. Yeah. And, you know, look, young man, if you want to try and do this, you know, go in peace and we cheer for you, which is essentially what's happened, right? Oh, yeah, no question. And, I mean, he has been an impact. I mean, Jerome Tang has done a tremendous job with that year, that team for a first-year coach. But don't forget, he's a guy who bided his time in Baylor forever under Scott Drew. So he's a really, I think he's a seasoned guy. Um, I, I mean, the one thing that's interesting about Todd Golden is, you know, he's 37 years old. He's the youngest coach of the SEC. Mm-hmm. And he's actually done pretty well against the first-year SEC coaches. Like, man, he's beaten Dennis Gates at the head. I think the issue is, and you'll see it again tomorrow night, I mean, Buzz, Buzz Williams, uh, the more seasoned guys have got him, uh, basically. You know, uh, Bruce Pearl and Auburn, who he worked under, and um, I, I think that's going to be the tough gauntlet coming up for uh, Florida is that, um, you know, you've got uh, him going up against Tennessee and what Rick Barnes has done, Nate Oates, Calipari. I mean, that's going to be um, that, that's going to be tough sledding for him and his staff because they're pretty young staff. So, and I think he's a really solid hire. Again, I, I, a lot of basketball people that I respect think he has a really bright future there. Uh, he was at a morbid, I mean, a morbid San Francisco program and, you know, really breathe some life into them, which is, and he had those t- those ties to Pearl and the Southeastern Conference. And what is he like in terms of? Is he a dynamic guy? Is he a laid back guy? What what kind of guys he like to cover? He's an honest guy, which is what I like. I mean, he'll just tell you what he thinks, which you know, as, as journalists, we really like. Um, and I think he's a guy that uh, you know, he's a players' coach. He he opened practices. You know, we got to see quite a few practices in the preseason, and watching him interact with players it seems like he really connects with them um but again i think a young guy who you know might take a few lumps in this league i mean i remember back to you know billy donovan struggled with nolan richardson early in his career when he was in his 30s so it's not surprising to see that uh you know this this league has really upgraded the coaching i think that's that's the one area where when you look at this league from when i last left um but I have no doubt that, you know, he played under Randy Bennett at St. Mary's, who I think is, a, you know, one of the most underrated coaches in the country. Um, and then, uh, obviously, from that tree, went with, uh, you know, Kevin Smith, uh, you know, who's now the head coach at, uh, you know, uh, Washington State, who's had some success there. So he certainly has the, the bloodlines. And, and if you, you know, the, the ties, and if you look at, um, you know, he, he's mainly in charge of the defense. And if you look at the defensive efficiency, it's eighth in the country right now. I mean, it's it's been tremendous per Ken Palm. The issue is offensively, they've been wildly inconsistent. They've had six games where they scored under 60. And I'm suspecting facing a team like Tennessee is probably going to be seven uh, because they're, you know, a team that just smothers you. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this script, right? These teams that struggle on offense just get – I don't know any other way to say it. Tennessee just chokes these teams out. It's like watching UFC. I mean, they just – and you and you, you almost watch guys just tap on the court. It's like, please, enough already. And that happens like at the 30-minute mark. I mean, this Tennessee team, I, I don't know how into the, um, the numbers you get, how far into the weeds, but they're tracking to be the best defensive team in the history of the Ken Palm era, and it's really not close. I mean, it's crazy how good they are on defense. So, 
that doesn't sound like a real good uh, formula for success tomorrow night for Florida. Yeah, it's going to be one of those tough games. And, you know, that was like that. I harken back to that Texas A&M a few uh, weeks ago where they scored 12 points in the first half. Um, and then somehow scored 40 points in the second half and still lost 54-52. They're a slow-starting team uh, against good teams. It takes them a long time to figure things out. They're not a very good shooting team. Uh, Will Richard, the Belmont kid, mm-hmm. is probably their best shooter, um, the transfer from Belmont. But other than that, they don't really have much in the way of perimeter shooting. I mean, Kyle Lofton, their point guard, is not a very good shooter, um, which kind of hampers them. Myron Jones has been a disappointment in that area since coming from Penn State, although he's he's kind of impacting the game in the in other ways as the second point on the floor, and he's not turning it over. Um, but they just, they just, they're a very athletic team that doesn't have great shooting. Colin Castleton is a rim protector inside. They also, they don't offensive rebound. And one of the, it was kind of a trade-off because early in the year, Florida was struggling defensively. And what Todd Golden decided to do was not crash the offensive boards as aggressively and bring everyone back and win games that way. But, um, you know, in this league too, it's, it's hard when you don't get second chance points too. I mean, those are easy baskets. And that's been an issue uh, because, I mean, their their offensive rebounding is basically non-existent. I think they're, they're last in the league right now in offensive rebound percentage. So they don't crash the boards on offense, but they do block shots very well, led by Castleton, who's leading the SEC in block shots. Um, uh, but they and, and they also struggle to score. Yeah, it's – well, you know, how many teams in, in major college basketball can you describe as struggling to score? I mean, it is such a tough – tough product to watch but we we know florida we've seen some of the crazy eye-popping stuff they've done in some of these first halves where i mean they'll literally have like nine points past the uh third tv timeout i mean they've turned into some crazy halves haven't they yeah and it's been mostly the first half where they've really struggled tony i mean they're just they they're just they're slow out of the gate and it's um we've asked todd about it several times and um, that's the one thing he's starting to get a little annoyed about, and he kind of wishes that, you know, they could fix in terms of, uh, you know, how they get out of the gate better. But it seems like that they're just one of those teams that uh, when teams come up, and, and, you know, the elite teams, uh, you know, the better teams on their schedule, uh, and the teams like, you know, Texas A&M, Buzz Williams, those teams get after it. When they come out and really come out with great energy and guard early, um, it's really hard for Florida to figure things out um, in terms of, uh, you know, moving the ball and, uh, you know, getting good shots. I mean, the shot selection sometimes, and again, and they're not a good three-point shooting team, so teams kind of sag on Castleton. They'll double them. Sometimes they'll even triple them. And guys will have open looks early in the game, and they won't knock them down. Well, Matt Dixon, do you have anything that you'd uh, care to add as we visit uh, and, and nice enough to join us, Kevin Brockaway from the Gainesville Sun, our old friend. Matt, anything else you'd care to add here to our conversation? Uh, not a not a ton. He's a, a really informative interview. The, that first half under seems like a, a bet to hammer down. We'll get, get reason <laughs> on that one. But the, it's interesting. You mentioned Florida not going after offensive rebounds. That's that's really probably the biggest area where Tennessee's defense struggles. Um, they just get out of position because they, they try to block so many shots that they can be susceptible to giving up a lot of offensive rebounds. So if Florida doesn't even attempt to do that, you know, it, it could be a really long night for them. Although I guess they do get to the free throw line a lot. So that, that could play in their favor. So, but no, that's yeah, a good, that good free throw under. shooting team too. They're, they're around 70, 
75%. So they, they tend to finish when they get there, too. So what do you think? What, how, how do you think the game plays out? You've seen these guys a bunch, and I know you're familiar with, with Tennessee and the way they're going to attempt to play the game. What, what do you expect, Kevin? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, being at home, I think Florida will give them a game, but I think it'll be like a 58-52, 61-55 kind of game where it's going to be a, a slog fest, and Tennessee, being the better team, will find a way to win. I think Tennessee's balance is what stands out to me. they got four guys averaging double figures, too, and that's usually a good formula for success. I mean, Tennessee reminds me a lot of that Florida 2014 team that went to the Final Four. They were a good defensive team. They had good scoring balance. Uh, under Billy, that was the, the last Final Four team, and and that's the kind of team that Tennessee reminds me of how they win. And and that 2014 team for Florida wasn't the prettiest team, but they found ways to win. And I would probably put Tennessee in that category. And they have an excellent coach in Rick Barnes, a veteran coach like Florida had with Billy Donovan. Uh, and you think Billy, by the way, because I, I I hear he's not real thrilled up there in the. Uh, um, in what's what's going on up there in Chicago, feuding with the front office, that sort of thing. Do you think that he ends up batting college ball? That's been speculated. Yeah, a little bit, but you know, I don't know. Like I've heard, you know, I talked to his dad, and I, I have heard that he wants to get a few different players here and there. But I just don't know how he would deal with the NIL era. I mean, he was he was already hating recruiting as much as it is when he left. I mean, this thing. I don't know if he would you know, how he would handle it or if he would tolerate it. But a very interesting job opening not far from Chicago, and Billy's a Catholic guy, Mike Bray leaving Notre Dame, that would seem like a fit. That would seem like it, and a home run hire for Notre Dame if they could somehow get that done. There's also been some rumblings about Texas, and Texas obviously has great resources and great facilities, and, um, you know, that could be another landing spot for Billy in Texas. And here's the thing, with Texas joining the SEC, in a few years, if Billy's there, he'll be playing on Billy Donovan court, which would oh, be boy. a little tacky. But, uh, you know, that's why I'm not a fan of, of naming things for guys that are still active. But uh, that could happen if Billy somehow ends up at Texas. Yeah, I have a rule in life. I don't name things after people that are alive because, you know, people are flawed, you know. Like, we, we yeah. named a street after Shamiqua Holtzclaw. And she she uh, had an incident where she you can look it up, but she had an incident that was sort of uh, forgettable and ended up in the police blotter and the whole deal. And you just kind of go, uh, you know, I don't think I'm going to name things after people that are alive. But uh, <laughs> hey, hey, Kev, if folks want to read your work or interact with you, how do they do so? And thank you, my man. Yeah, GatorSports.com and uh, Twitter at Kevin Rockway G1. Thanks, Kev. Good talking to you, man. It's uh, it's great to catch up, Tony, as always. All right, Kevin Brockaway, one more time. Matt, really informative. Florida, um, Florida sounds ugly to watch, man. Which I know they are. I mean, we've yeah, you and I have I'm... communicated and texted back and forth. You're like that team has seven points coming to the last TV timeout in the first half. I mean, they've they put up some incredibly low numbers, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, really, really bad. I, I'll, I'll be disappointed if they get in the twenties in the first half uh, tomorrow night. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course this, this, this will be the game where the that three point defense, like the regression, finally comes back in Florida has like a career day. But no, they're, they're bad to watch. Um, but just one of these defensive minded coaches 
which you talked about is kind of the, the rage now, and that's unfor- unfortunately what wins, even though it's you know just really really boring basketball. Oh, Will Warren's going to join us. Matt was talking about the regression and the three-point percentage, and we're going to do a deep dive into the numbers. And what does it mean? Kevin Brockaway had a little throwaway line in the middle of that, but I'm listening and taking notes. And he said this this Tennessee team compares favorably to the last Final Four team down there in that they're hard to watch on offense, but they defend and they're resourceful and they're going to be a tough out. Which is what he just said about it was a the really balls. good comparison. I actually, you know, we ought to we ought to do a deep dive into their roster and look at it and try to remember when, because uh, Billy Donovan almost made it look easy the way he would go through March. He had it figured out right early in his career, the middle part of his career there, and then right toward the latter part of his career uh, there at Florida. I, I say he is uh, one of the great hires in any sport in the modern era. In this conference, Billy Donovan, when you look at what he accomplished down there. In the meantime, we take a brief timeout. We come back. Stats by Will. Will Warren joins on the other side after this. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee. WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons and we run his dealership and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway or at ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. A while back, I told you a story about Packer, our mascot, that Don found in the garbage truck after someone had thrown her out. Well, since then, I've been asked several times about Packer. Is she a dog or is she a cat? I guess I never thought to say, but she's a pit bull mix. And you can see a picture of her sitting in the driver's seat of Don's service truck on our website, garbagemaninc.com. 
Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I'm a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, memsmodernlandscape.com. That's memsmodernlandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. This is Laurie Cole, Executive Director with Pay Grace Forward. We are a community solution to predatory lending. We help people in Murray County who are trapped in payday and title loan debt. We do this through financial mentoring, followed by low-interest grace loans. To see if Pay Grace Forward can help you, or to volunteer with our organization, please visit our website at paygraceforward.org or call 931-548-6797. Do you use Elf Bars? Old School Vapor has over 100 authentic flavors for only $18.99 each. Check out their other January sales like buy one, get one free for select Tesco bars, 25% off glass pipes and Mike Tyson's Delta 8 Bites, or 50% off smell-proof bags. Go shop Old School Vapor's selection of over 200 cannabis products from brands like Looper, Torch, Hidden Hills, and more. Check them out on Instagram or Google Old School Vapor to find your nearest location. That's Old School Vapor. Two white men and a white woman attacking a black man who's a Democrat, yet you have no balance to anything that you say. You act like a bunch of Southern You are ridiculous. You're a horrible show. You're a horrible representation of Tennessee. Y'all are disgusting. You're disgusting human beings. And either balance it out with someone who has a half a clue what they can talk about. You got a bus driver up there acting like he's better than him just because... Of what? I have no idea what his points are other than what Tucker Carlson told him what to say. Y'all are disgusting human beings. You need to get off the air. Three Dudes with a View. Triggering liberals between Dollywood and Graceland Monday through Thursday from 8 to 9 a.m. Right here on WKOM 101.7 FM. I've got our good friend Miles Johnson on the phone. Miles, how are you today? Oh, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. 
All righty. Well, the normal weekly special, we have boneless chuck roast, $4.99 a pound, ground round for $4.29 a pound, green cabbage, $0.49 cents a pound, three-pound bag yellow onions, $1.99 each, and Coca-Cola 12-packs, two for 13 All right. And people can pick up a flyer when they walk in the door there and find out all your great deals. So that's fantastic. And again, as always, you guys are open seven days a week, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., located right there at 417 West 7th, right in the same plaza as the the post office so everybody can find you so miles you have a great day a great weekend and thank you to, again to you and all the staff and uh, we'll talk to you next thursday okay all right thank you thank you miles all right that's some great deals right there foodland go check them out and uh, the flyer is located right by the door so go in there and check it out First responders know seconds count when saving lives, and emergency response can often be delayed due to difficulty navigating rural locations, congested subdivisions, mobile home parks, and apartment complexes. The Locator 911 is a unique life-saving bulb. In normal use, a porch light, and when activated by you, a multicolored flashing beacon for first responders to help them find you in the event of an emergency. For more information, stop by your local fire department or visit thelocator911.com. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. Gentlemen, now that I'm extremely, extremely excited to bring you on the program, Matt's excited about it. Briny Boy Hartman's going to geek out here. We're, we're pumped. Will Warren joining. He does a absolutely tremendous job. I literally will... I read like three paragraphs of your stuff, and you're so far over my head. I'm, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to do with myself. But the one thing I like about you is, you know, not everybody's numerically oriented like you, so you kind of explain things in bullet points for the dumb crowd like me. But I welcome you in, Will Warren. Welcome to the Tony Basilio Show. Hope you're well, my friend. Thank you. That is an introduction far beyond what I deserve to be honest, but uh, well, honored to hear I, it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I I greatly admire your work, and Matt was saying that you're getting recognized. Uh, Jimmy Dykes and some others have cited your stuff, and I know from my friends that are in the gambling space that try to make money doing it that they call you a go-to follow. So let's start this. How do folks find your work, uh, Will Warren? Let's start here. Best place to go, obviously, Twitter.com. I have my account name, Stats by Will, but the, the real writing is at statsbywill.substack.com. That's uh, the place where I preview all of Tennessee's games, do a little you know, weekly NCAA article, do a check-in on the SEC as well. So I try and get up four to five articles a week. Uh, it's honestly not as much work as it sounds. It does sound daunting, but... Uh, something I enjoy. I mean, basketball is my number one sport. It's the sport I grew up playing, so I, I get a kick out of doing it. Well, your passion comes through in your work, and again, uh, those that don't know of Will, you're, you're in for a real treat because, uh, and and the thing I like about him is he takes his he takes the numbers, and he's not afraid to engage a little bit uh, in discussion. There's a back and forth, you know. Um, the, the old saying is the numbers don't lie, but, Will, we all know the numbers can lie and sometimes do lie. So uh, there's certainly that. But how did you come about 
uh, getting interested in this. And I, I suppose from reading your stuff, you're a Tennessee fan. Did you grow up a Tennessee fan? Tell us about yourself. Uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up interested in sports, uh, basketball particularly, and a little bit of football. My grandfather was a huge Tennessee fan and got me started on it. Uh, my dad went to Michigan, though, so uh, I won't say I'm above uh, watching their uh, sports team. But I am, uh, for, first and foremost, I went to UT. I've lived in Knoxville for 12 years now. So Tennessee, obviously, kind of number one on the, the food chain there. But the, uh, the math interest, I didn't go to school for it. I went to school for English, but... Just been a, just been very interested in numbers my whole life. One of my first memories is, uh, apparently I was at my uh, grandfather's company and was doing math on one of the whiteboards there. Uh, this is a story he told me. There's no way to verify it. So could be making stuff up, but hey, I'll take it. So you're like a, uh, a frustrated accountant, math, uh, uh, English major who gets way, and I mean way in the weeds with the numbers. Let's talk here. Um, And and let's start with this Tennessee team versus what's going on in the rest of college basketball. You just dropped something today that you call, uh, you say this is the NCAA Weekly Volume 11. You call this thing wide open come March, but you also call it a restrictor plate tournament. The top two teams, Tennessee and Houston, if I read you correctly, are, have basically separated themselves. When you look at um, uh, the rest of the field versus the history of, of, of the metrics, so Ken Palm, et cetera, uh, is that a fair read on things? Yeah, and the, you know, the little blurb there is intentional. I mean, I honestly think of this year like, if you're a NASCAR viewer and you watch Talladega or Daytona, they're all in that big pack, right, for the whole race. And that's kind of what this year feels like, where it is, you know, generally when we go into March, there's that group that separated themselves. And for a while, I kind of thought it was, you know, group of seven, group of eight. And it started to be just, you know, Tennessee and Houston at the top. And, you know, in the article, the, the big discussion point is this is the smallest group or sorry, smallest gap between the top 10 and the teams at the back end of the top 50 in at least 25 years. So it's it's on track to be the most parity-filled tournament in a long time. Yeah, because the one, the one thing you make, one point you make is, and I'm reading right from your work here, the back quarter of the real field, i.e., like you talk about, seeds 12 through 10, which you're playing, game's going to come out of there, uh, et cetera, you say is stronger than average, while the teams that are tracking to be two to four seeds are, are really the worst that we've seen in college basketball in quite some time, which that if that holds, that's going to create a lot of volatility. Yeah, and it, it, it's interesting where this is actually probably the best year Tennessee could have been doing what Tennessee has been doing, where they're you know number one in Ken Palm tracking toward you know more likely than not eventually being a one seed where you're a little above the fray of this. You can watch as your two, three, even four seeds go down in flames early on. You know, and meanwhile, you've got that gap on everybody that potentially, say, you know, Arizona or someone else at the back end of that top ten might not have. 
you've engaged our Tennessee fan base, of which you're a part, in in comparing the Grant Admiral team of several years ago that folks just fell in love with, you know, hmm. versus this team that, and you you admit it, you know, this this team's harder to watch than that group. This team doesn't have the, I don't know what they don't have, and that's what people focus on, what they don't have. And, and I don't tell people how to watch anything. I don't tell people how to think. I never have. But the, the point you try to make is we're kind of missing something really special that's kind of that's really going on before our eyes here. Mm. Elaborate yeah, on that. I, I, yeah. So I think, you know, part one, offense is sexier to watch than defense, right? I think that's an easy thing to kind of come to terms with. And that 2019 team was probably the best offense we've ever seen Tennessee basketball produce. But they weren't very good defensively, and that you, you kind of saw that bite them in the tournament. Uh, I think, you know, you look at this year's group where, like you've mentioned, and as currently still holds, the best defense in Ken Palm history, you have an offense that's actually coming around. Their last 10 games, they've been the 12th best in America. And, you know, I, I think people are going to struggle to kind of come to terms with this being, you know, as great of a team as it is because you've got the sort of Rick Barnes march factor hanging over everybody mm. where people don't want to trust. And you, you don't have the most beautiful offense to watch in the world. And, you know, Zakai Ziegler is kind of emerging as that go-to guy of sorts. Kamala can pop off from night to night. You have Josiah, et cetera. But there's not that, like, star or that, you know, every single night he's capable of doing, you know, 30-8 and eight, like Grant Williams or Admiral Schofield were. So I, I think that's kind of a part of it where you don't have that identifiable player or players that, stand out among the group. But in turn, I think that's what makes Tennessee so dangerous, and they've pointed this out on broadcast several times. There, Because there's not that go-to guy, it's, it's just about as hard to defend where you really don't know who to try and stop. You know, you don't know who to focus your efforts on because any of that starting five can go off for a great game at any time. Yeah, and, you know... <laughs> Of course, I, I can get real I can get real negaval on you like real quick, okay? And and Negadelphian, um, which where I'm originally from. I read your work today, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, the the eight nine seeds are as good as they've been in years. The back of the tournament compared to the rest of the field, the best the the rest of the tournament. And I'm sitting there going, oh man, March and Barnes and and yet we just had Kevin Brockaway on. Who cover from the Gainesville Sun, who just compared Tennessee to the last Billy Donovan Final Four team, a team that was led by veterans, a team that was resourceful, a team that got better as the year went along, a team that was a very tough out, that guarded people, and something's going to give here, Will, right? I mean, some, and that's what's going to be really, really interesting about this particular team in this particular tournament is that something's going to give here. And I think these guys have the earmarks of a team that could break through. They really do. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, that was the comparison, you know, I really haven't thought a ton about. The, the, obviously, I think the team people compare this to is that Tech, Tech team that made the the uh, national title game. But the other that kind of goes unnoticed a little bit that could be progressing towards is the uh, – the last Louisville championship team where 
they really weren't very fun to watch on offense. They were honestly a bad shooting team for a lot of the year, but they were yeah, the best defense in college basketball, mm-hmm. forced a ton of turnovers, blocked a lot of shots, made life hell on a lot of people. And uh, at the right time, their offense got hot and they rode it to the to the championship. I mean, a lot of what we focus on is, you know, all you can really do November to February and then start of March is put yourself in a good position for uh, for the field of 68. Once you get there, it's just, you, you got to be good, obviously, but you got to be a little lucky too. And uh, I think that's where I'm at where, yeah, it's a bummer. Last year didn't work out the way a lot of people hoped it did. Yeah, sad 2019 didn't do the same. But all you got to do is be good enough times, and I think eventually you're going to break through. Matt Dixon, jump in here as we're visiting with Will Warren today on the program and blessed to have him making his uh, debut with us. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, uh, it's good you're on, Will. Um, really enjoy your work. Um, I'm, I'm not sure I have any like specific question, but when you do these this numbers and analytics stuff and, and, and follow games, how, how much of that do you value versus – I mean, obviously you value it a lot, but like with like compared to the eye test, because I always feel mm. like there's there has to be some kind of mix there, and and some teams, you know, in all sports, do it a lot better than others. But it, is there a value that you put like like with the eye test versus what analytics say, or are you are you kind of just strictly by the numbers? I think there's value in both, right? You can kind of combine the stats with what your eyes see, because you know. Uh, I think we've talked, you know, stats lie, of course. I mean, if stats didn't lie, we'd have back-to-back Gonzaga National Championship gear available. But, you know, your eyes can lie, too. Your eyes can kind of see things they want to see. If you want to see a certain player uh, as better than he really is, you can see that. If you want to see a certain player as worse as he really is, you can sort of make yourself see it. So uh, it's it's a combination of both. Uh, it's kind of keeping myself honest and the eye test really and showing me you know if, since i've watched all this basketball what stats really matter you know what really matters for a player's impact when he's on the court you know and taking both of those together i mean i i really do believe there's value in each you can't go all one or the other but uh, a, a combination of the both of sort is kind of what I try and attack a game with. So, Will, what stats matter? Answer your question. What when you when you're looking at a stat sheet or looking at those analytics, what matters to you? First thing and foremost thing in this area of basketball is you you got to look at shooting. You got to see how did your team shoot from three? How did they shoot from three? And it's going to need some context of you know, did you create a bunch of really top shots? Did you make them go way down on the shot clock, which is statistically better for creating poor shots? Uh, but beyond that, you got to look at two point percentage. See, you know, if you're holding them to tough shots from two, you're more than likely going to be forcing tough threes as well. And then the turnovers. I think the reason why Tennessee sort of created the separation and you know been able to have so many extra scoring chances despite not you know, having the best shooting offense, you have those really good turnover numbers on defense and that spectacular offensive rebounding number on the other side of the ball. Those are kind of the things I'm looking at. I don't honestly look that much 
at free throw attempts unless it is a severe disparity, which, you know, we've seen from time to time. But, uh, yeah, shooting turnovers and then offensive rebounds. So basically stuff that's that's available to us in an, in a in a garden variety box score. Uh, what about the, those advanced analytics in terms of numbers? Like, I'll give you one. And here's a here's a side note. My guy Y just shot me this listening to us. Um, Tennessee's mm-hmm. three point defense. Okay, and you were talking about three pointers before made or made and defended, but this is an interesting number. They're tracking to be the best three point defense in the metric era by a huge margin right now. Now, in his mind, he says this probably isn't sustainable despite being the best overall defense in Ken Palm, but teams are only shooting 27% on open shots per synergy, whatever that means, which doesn't seem to be sustainable. <laughs> and so I ask you, Will, what, what does this mean? And obviously it's a great thing, but what does it mean that teams can't hit three-pointers against the Vols? Is it because they're wearing them out? Is it because they're uh, playing teams that aren't shooting uh, the three well, I know seven of their ten final games figure to come against teams that are tracking or figure to be right on that NCAA tourney line, so more, we're going to see more quality opposition. Do you expect that teams will start hitting threes at a better clip? I, I think, you know, it's going to be really hard to do 22% for a full season. But, but, but we're also at the point where we're 21 games in, Tennessee hasn't allowed a single team on the schedule to shoot better than 33% from three. And, you know, even if there's some amount of small regression, which I think there's going to be, Tennessee's tracking towards, you know, for a full season rate, giving up 25, 26% from three, which is absurdly good. That's one of, even if they're below 26, I think that's the second best number of all time. And so, and so I, yeah, I think yeah. there's, there really is something to, and, it's been kind of more of a discussion point lately I've seen on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Tennessee forces such long possessions, and they force they don't really give up many like true catch-and-shoot threes. It's a lot of you know pull-up after a couple dribbles, isolation basketball, late clock threes, not efficient shots. And so I, I think, is there little luck involved? Yeah, but I think genuinely a lot of it is Tennessee just creates really, really tough opportunities for opposing shooters. I mean, these guys literally grind teams down. Is is that's what these guys are doing? And 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 again, you said people love look Josh Heupel football or Jeremy Pro. Give me Josh Heupel football, okay? But I got to ask you this: these juggernaut defensive teams, these other teams that Tennessee's tracking with historically, okay? How how do they fare in that tournament? Can, can we go back and find that? And yeah, I, go ahead. I think that the best thing in Tennessee's favor, the two that are currently behind them now are, uh, you know, twenty nineteen Texas Tech, twenty thirteen Louisville. Those teams both played in the national title game. Mm. I mean, that would be, I think, without saying, and, and also the third one I just found, the 38-1 and one Kentucky team. That's the third best defense of all time. Mm. And so right there, the final four runner-up champion. Uh, I mean, that, when you play a defense at that high of a level, yeah, it would, would be nice if Tennessee's offense were a little better. But, yeah, I think as we've been saying, Kind of a more parity-filled year, weaker year for college hoops on the whole. 
Yeah. And what that does, that creates a vacuum that Tennessee can step right into. Yeah, and, and to your point, you mentioned this earlier, but I, I, I want to just get this into our conversation and see if you find this to be accurate as well. Their efficiency profile, they're second in the SEC right now in, in offensive efficiency, and they lead the SEC in two-point percentage, three-point percentage in league games. It's really jumped up. And, and you know, their last time out, even though it wasn't a league game, I mean, they were pretty freaking sharp offensively against a very good a defensive basketball team. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and that's the same Texas team. They held Baylor to 71 last night. It was Baylor's sixth worst performance of the season. That's, you know, Texas has not been quite the same since Beard left, but uh, that's still a really freaking talented basketball team. And so if you're dicing them up, if you, I mean, I think people really understood how important it was to dice that Mississippi State the way Tennessee did, because that, you know, they don't have great athletes, so that's still a great structural defense. It seems like it, you know if, if their offense keeps moving up, and I think this is naturally going to happen now that you've got Josiah Jordan-James back at what we're considering full health. I, I mean, it's rounding in the form as something we really have not seen to date. TGMD, the gathering storm, uh, you might make a believer at it. TGMD might be ordering his... Uh, booking a room down in Houston here uh, before this thing's over. Go ahead, Matt. Jump back in here with Will Warren. Yeah, I, I just, just got one more. From, from from the analytics perspective, what types of teams do you think present the biggest challenge to Tennessee? Mm. Or, or, or what teams do you think Tennessee could struggle against? Um, I don't know if you want to get be generic or, or specific with names, but just the, the types of teams that give Tennessee the most trouble. That's a good question. I, and I think we've seen some struggles with quick guards at times who can get around the front court to get to the rim, as in the Colorado game. Um, kind of hard to take much from Kentucky because I thought Tennessee, frankly, just shot their way out of it. But yeah, you know, the, the two teams that have really beaten Tennessee in a way where it wasn't self-inflicted, it was quick guards, and then you know, Arizona had that dual front court that's really unusual in modern basketball. It's, it is frankly not common to start two big guys together anymore and if you're as good at twos as they were i think that could cause some problems and i could see an area where if tennessee goes up against a team that is really good at defensive rebounding and doesn't turn it over often that could sort of limit their all the second chances and extra possessions tennessee generates which kind of helps them overcome some of the shooting woes on certain nights it's really, again, going to be really compelling. Ten left. We're getting ready to hit the stretch drive. February comes tomorrow. The schedule gets ramped up. Um, in the last ten, what, what do you think is a suitable goal to shoot for for this club, the way they've played thus far, uh, win-loss-wise, in the last ten? What do you think? Eight and two. Um, eight and two or nine and one. I think kind of the swing game there is obviously Alabama. Uh, the the road games that are left are, you know, on paper not really offensive, but all in some aspect tricky. Where Florida tomorrow night, I know their record's not very good, but they've been real close to pulling off some big wins this season. Mm. Vandy's Vandy, that's always a weird gym to play at. And then you got Kentucky, A&M, and Auburn, and all of whom can look awesome or awful, depending on the night. So... Uh, if you can 
get at least three of those two, preferably four, and then hold serve at home. You know, 15 and three, 16 and two in SEC play. At minimum, I think you're right on that one seed cut line. And if you go 16 and two, I think you're a one seed lock no matter what happens in the SEC tournament. Wow. So the, the, the nine and one should be the goal to shoot for from here. Hey, look, I, I'm not doubting this team anymore. I, I look at the way Ziegler's playing. You know, I use the term gathering storm to you, but that is what this thing feels like when you look at how they're starting to play on the offensive end. And, and we know they're going to bring their lunch pail on defense. Will Warren, on the way out, tell the living listener once again where they can find you. And I really, really appreciate you uh, taking some time for us. Is there anything else you'd care to add here on the way out? Well, you can find me stepsbywill.substack.com, stepsbywill on Twitter. Um, I'm honored to be on this show, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, been a listener for a while, been a follower for years. So honored to be a part of the show. Happy to help however I can. Well, we will absolutely 1,000%, if you'll do it, have you back. And uh, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on, Tony. Thank you. Matt, your thoughts on that? Because that's some interesting stuff from him. He he says this team compares, when you look just look at that defensive number, to th- one team that made the Final Four and two that went all the way to the final game. It's pretty damn strong, Matt. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's an elite basketball team by by any measure, um, and you, they have that kind of identity as being that that grinded out defensive team, like that Louisville team was, um, and and Texas Tech too. So it's it's going to be fun to see. You're, I mean, you're going to be favored in every game you play the rest of the way, and probably in, well into the tournament. So uh, for a reason. So you just you know you just got to hope that the matchups right, and you kind of have things click and. At the end of the day, Ziegler makes a few plays to win games. So it's no, that was an incredible interview. He's very, very informative. Um, you know, I, I was surprised you admitted that you don't look at all those synergy numbers uh, before every matchup. Tom. Did you hear me talking synergy there? And you giggle. <laughs> you were cracking on me because Matt knows Matt knows exactly how challenged I am. I mean, you are dealing with an absolute, when it comes to numbers, okay, mental midget. Matt and Y and Brian to some extent, these, guys wonder, that means. these guys wonder how I, can, uh, how I can tie my shoes in the morning, okay, when they deal with me numerically. So uh, I, I, I want to do this. Let's get one more quick timeout in here. And then we're going to come back on the other side. I I, I really appreciate uh, Will Warren for being in with us today. That was that was a hey, well. Thanks, man. It was really our honor. And I and I people are saying, man, you're really putting this guy over. Go read his stuff. Go read his stuff, and you'll see why me and Matt are putting putting him over. As we continue on the other side after this. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee. WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. 
so you had an accident. Now what? Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Rams Body Shop. You can count on us to repair all makes and models. Our certified techs will take care of everything from frame damage inspection to bump out or replacement with OEM parts. We've got the expertise to make your vehicle better than new and get you back on the road in no time. Plus, our collision work is guaranteed for the life of your car. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Rams Body Shop to the rescue. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you can count on us. Hello, this is Rick Tillis with Tillis Jewelry in Columbia and Lewisburg, Tennessee. What are you looking for in a jeweler? Knowledgeable staff? Experienced goldsmiths? Or true custom designers? Experienced working with clients creating that perfect gift for a special loved one? Well, you have found them. Tillis Jewelry. We're this and so much more. Check us out at TillisJewelry.com or on Facebook and Instagram to see our latest creations. Tillis Jewelry, Columbia and Lewisburg, Tennessee. Do you suffer from knee pain? Is it painful to walk or perform your day-to-day -day activities? If so, we have great news at the Dr. Gill Center. We can relieve your knee pain fast and easy with no downtime and no surgery. The FDA has approved a new non-surgical treatment for knee pain, and it's covered by most major insurance, including Medicare. This treatment has helped millions of people across the nation. Call today to see if you qualify for a free consultation and get back to a pain-free life. 615-551-9224. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, or 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. This is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Did you know that Ace now offers free assembly and delivery on grills over $3.99? It's never been easier for you and your family to have a great grill like a Weber gas grill, a Traeger pellet grill, or a Big Green Egg charcoal grill. Come see us at Columbia Ace Hardware, located at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard, Columbia, Tennessee. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. NASCAR's back. The NASCAR Cup Series. Green flag is in the air at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Heads back to the City of Angels. And they're beating and banging, and Justin Haley hammers the inside wall. For another trip around the L.A. Coliseum. Off four, checkered flag is out, and Joey Logano has done it. It's the Bushlight Clash at the Coliseum. Sunday, February 5th at 3.30 p.m. on WKOM 101.7 FM. 
Join us Saturday, March the 18th for Columbia's Breakfast Rotary's fourth annual Shoot for Our Stars Sporting Clays Tournament. This tournament is a community benefit fundraiser for our fantastic local youth and veterans organizations. If you'd like to participate in this great event, contact me, Rhonda King, at 931-398-5511 or contact us online at www.facebook.com slash shootforourstars. We've got our good friend Miles Johnson on the phone. Miles, how are you today? Oh, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. All righty. Well, the normal weekly special, we have boneless chuck roast, $4.99 a pound, ground round for $4.29 a pound, green cabbage, $0.49 cents a pound, three-pound bag yellow onions, $1.99 each, and Coca-Cola 12-packs, two for 13 All right. And people can pick up a flyer when they walk in the door there and find out all your great deals. So that's fantastic. And again, as always, you guys are open seven days a week, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., located right there at 417 West 7th, right in the same plaza as the, the post office so everybody can find you so miles you have a great day a great weekend and thank you to, again to you and all the staff and uh, we'll talk to you next thursday okay all righty thank you thank you miles all right that's some great deals right there foodland go check them out and uh, the flyer is located right by the door so go in there and check it out Hello everyone, Clayton Harris here. As Little League District 8 Administrator, I'm excited to announce that Little League Softball is being offered in Murray County for the first time through Spring Hill Little League. This allows every kid in Murray County the opportunity to play Little League Softball. Each division will offer All-Stars, just like Little League Baseball, with the opportunity to compete for a chance at a Little League World Series. It's ages 4 through 13. Registration ends this Friday. For more information and where to sign up, go to shll.us. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. We welcome you back on your Tony Basilio show. Matt, did we, um, and Bri, do you think we, do you think we board people or inform people with our last segment? Because, you know, I'm not numerically oriented. The thing I like about Will, though, is, is that Will... I think he's very good at translating what those numbers mean, and and I I just learned a lot from him. And the the one of the takeaways, one of the main takeaways from our conversation with him, which is why I want people to hang in there with it, because I want to get this guy back on. Tennessee's profile really uh, projects well on what's going to happen in the tournament. Those defensive juggernaut teams are the ones that are going far now. And if Tennessee doesn't, they're going to be the outlier, Matt. I mean, that's kind of wild when you stop and think about it. The three of the top four, the other three have all gone to the final four. Two have gone to the final game. I mean, that's that's pretty indisputable, isn't it? No, it's, I mean, it's, you know, those, those, those seem to be, that, Louisville to, and I what do you, guess what do you guys think, might, Brian? What do you might think? Have been the best teams in the country that year, like I know that Texas Tech team, they were like a three seed and just got really hot there late. But no, am I the am I the only one numbers. here feeling it right now? Can you hear Matt? Can I get an amen? Yeah, can, can I get an hallelujah? Can you hear Matt talking? Hey, Tone, can you hear Matt talking? guessing that's a no no i guess he's 
drop. Let me call him on his cell phone real quick. Yeah. So you know, one one thing that that Will mentioned that the stuff, or I guess Tony mentioned it, those open looks that teams are shooting just twenty seven percent. You know, I I think a lot of that, you know, some of that's luck, but a lot of that is because of the way Tennessee defends. Teams don't get those open looks as often, and then I think when they do, um. They, they maybe have a tendency to rush the shot or they're just not comfortable yet and they haven't had a flow of the game. And that leads to those numbers being, being as low as they are. Um, when, you know, t- typically you're, you're making a whole lot more than 27% when you're, you know, a wide open look. So I, I think that that's one of those things that analytics have that, that I think the eye test kind of maybe I don't know, maybe further, further, um, enhances, um, just the, the style of that Tennessee plays. You know, Tony's just mentioned that they just choke the life out of, out of opponents defensively. And that's, there's a lot yeah. of truth in that. Well, the well, thing that's wild to me, Matt, and, and I'm back on the, I'm back on the, uh, the main rank. I don't know what happened to me, but I'm sitting in my living room right now because I don't feel well, and Brian's down in the Ramier studio helping us out today, and I apologize for all this. but uh, and, and I didn't catch your answer. I don't know how much of my question or my point about Will got out there, but when you think about the other three juggernaut teams have gone on defensively, have gone on and have played in the um, – have played in the uh, in the in the final four. I mean, that's kind of irrefutable, isn't it, guys? I mean, Brian, what do you say to that? That's sort of irrefutable. Well, looking at the Florida roster from 2014, they had Michael Frazier, Scotty Wilbekin, Casey Prather, Patrick Young, and Will you get Dorian Finney-Smith, Casey Hill were their top I guess eight players seven or eight players and Dixie might remember something about the uh, those guys but they weren't um, you know they did they didn't make a ton of threes but they held Tennessee to one game they held them to 41 points that's the deal yeah and they beat them by like 25 down there and the game in Knoxville they kind of choked I remember that game too they kind of choked them out in that one and they beat him again in the tournament, so they won three straight. The defensive thing is, the defensive thing, Matt, and, and like Will said, and he's right, our fans are put off by it. Our fans are kind of bored with it. It's like watching a football team that's challenged at quarterback that has like the 85 Bears defense. That's what these guys are doing to people on the in, in college basketball. The, these guys are like the 85 Bears, Matt. They don't let anybody breathe. Who do you think actually shot the best percentage this year against the Vols of all the opponents? I don't know. Like from, like from three? Just from just overall shooting just for the game. Uh, I mean, Colorado scored 80. Well, the, pack, the three Pac-12 teams all got in the 40s. But LSU shot 48% almost. Wow, and got blown out by they got blown out. They were never in that game. That is super. And Texas super shot forty four percent over the weekend, and they got blown out by twenty. By, by well, they they were down twenty two, but they lost by eleven. 
So why is listening to us and thought Will was really interesting, and why is our silent contributor, those of you that don't listen to Garza Law, uh, Tennessee basketball overtime, why people think I'm why? Let me tell you something. I'm going to read you what why just sent me, and you tell me if you think I'm why after what I read to you. He says the following. Just ran a quick search on Ken Palm, and Vermont, according to what Will was talking about, would be a 15-16 seed that Tennessee needs to avoid. That is actually who Bracket Matrix has them matched against in a 116 game. This is a team 21st nationally in defensive rebounding, so they're not going to let you rebound the ball. And they're 26th in fewest turnovers, and they grind it out to a slow pace. So those are the teams that you watch that Tennessee will be vulnerable against. Who won't you get second and third chances against? And the fun thing about being at the top of that sport is that we're going to be able to, when you use the numbers, now you can overuse the numbers, but when you, and this is why I'm warming up to the numbers. When you use the numbers, you can come up with a list of teams whose profiles would kind of scare you. And then, Matt, a list of teams you'd want to play. Now, granted, like Will said, when you tip a ball off, anything can happen. But this is why the Sharps in Vegas follow Will's stuff. That's why when you watch some of the people he interacts with online, these are the sharpest of the sharp out there. So uh, because the the numbers, those guys know that there's money in the numbers. Now, it's not going to go every game. It's not going to hold. That's why we're these are human beings playing sports. But it's really interesting when you start looking at the profiles of teams that you know, you kind of don't want to see. And then from there, you could kind of whittle it down and go, okay, who on that 8-9 line that's projected in some of these, uh, on some of these uh, brackets? Because there are teams out there, Matt, you don't want to see. I mean, that's, this is the reality of this whole deal, you know? Oh, yeah, obviously. Um, and especially in those 8-9, you know, 7-10 games, those are the kind of fringe top 25 teams. And usually, um, not to get, you know, Jerry Palm conspiracy, but they like to, to place teams there that, that maybe had an underachieving year that were maybe a preseason top 10 team or, you know, or a team that had some injuries and, and they're kind of peaking at the right. Like they, they, you know, kind of put those teams in those spots um, oftentimes. Um, so, that you know, those can all – those can always be tricky. Um, so, well, you know, yeah, funny. like, like, like North Carolina right now. Kind of yeah, guarantee like, you win your first game. Well, so like a North Carolina, like a North you know, Carolina right now. Yeah, like to they your beat point. Baylor last year. I don't think the Baylor was no. a one. That a lot of those go. one versus eight or nine games end up being huge blowouts. I think most of those games end up being competitive with ten minutes to go in the game, and the one seed has to win by, you know, they might pull away by and win by ten or fifteen late. But I'd like to know the numbers of just the margin of victory for one seeds over eight and nine seeds. I'd, I'd um, say it's less than 15 average. Tex Will Warren, you have his number. I'm sure he's got it. I'm sure that guy's got it off the top of his head. I mean, that that dude's scary. That report he threw up today literally has me trembling over here in fear. Like, I'm, I'm afraid for my safety at this point because of uh, the, war, the report that Will Warren put up there today. But... I do think it's interesting. I think it's I think it's going to be really interesting to see if Tennessee is going to hold the form this year 
because they're going to be the best defensive team to ever lace them up in the in the uh, what what do we call it, the analytics era, Matt? Is that a fair way of putting that analytics era? Yeah, yeah just the Ken Palm era analytics era. Yeah, because they're going to add to that tonight. They're going to add to that tomorrow night. I mean, that Florida team. If I said no, I to you guys, them in the in the forties, yeah, and I want them in the teens in the first half. And Texas the other day almost got held into the forties by the Vols, right? Or was I seeing things? Yes, they scored seventy-one for the game, so they. I'm sorry, seven. <laughs> they had like twenty-three at the half. It was Georgia that got that had a last-second layup to yeah, get the boys to get to forty-one. I'm mistaking them for Georgia. Yeah. That's right, because yeah. Texas, the Texas game was a free, pretty free-flowing, well, pretty good basketball They only had game. 39 with, with like 12 minutes to go in the game. They were getting mm. blown out, and then it, the last 10 or 12 minutes was kind of garbage. They, they made it look better, closer than it really should yeah, have been. I, I took my eyes off. See, that's, that's, when I start talking numbers, that's how much you can trust me. I'm misquoting our last game. I mean, you talk about a guy that is challenged. Here's one. Kansas won it all last year. One of their toughest games, and we'll do a quick overtime segment and then get out of here. But Kansas won it all last year. One of their toughest games in the tourney came against an 8-9 winner in the Creighton game. They were losing that basketball game at the under-four timeout and had to go on a run to put it away. That second round... Look at UCLA one year when they went. They won it all, and they had to, they needed the last second drive of the basket just to score by to one point win to win Tyus, by one. Tyus, Evan, yeah, it'll it, never be forgotten by the, the living. Those fans. second that second round.